everybody, this is Rich Sports Talk, broadcasting on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spreaker, and available for download on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us here today, and the book has closed on the 2018 NFL season. Now, normally, I do my uh, fourth and goal section on uh, Football Monday, but I'm going to change it up here because there's so much I want to talk about. This is going to be a longer episode, but I do think you will enjoy it. And I give you my thoughts on the Super Bowl, not only for the New England Patriots, the L.A. Rams, and what it means potentially moving into the 2019 NFL season. I'll start with the first one, and this is on the New England Patriots. Now, I think when I said this in my preview uh when I picked the game 31-28, and I know everyone's thinking those scores we were all picking the over, seem a little crazy now in the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. But I did say before this that if Belichick and Brady won, it would add to their legacy, but it wouldn't be legacy-defining. I want to take that back a little bit because I do think that this was a hallmark game for Bill Belichick. One of the knocks on Bill Belichick and I don't agree with it, but that I've heard in the media is, well, he couldn't win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. To which I reply, you look at any great coach in this league, they didn't win without usually a great quarterback and win multiple Super Bowls without a great quarterback. But I digress. Bill Belichick last night proved his value as the best head coach that we've ever seen in the NFL. People who don't know the Patriots well misinterpret Bill Belichick and don't forget to realize he's a great defensive mastermind. With young quarterbacks, he's given them fits throughout his entire career. And last night was once again one of those hallmark moments in his career which define how great of a coach he is. I want to remind people the game of the year was the Kansas City Chiefs and the LA Rams going up and down the field on Monday night. I want to remind you that last week, the Patriots' defense held that mighty offense in check, and even though it went to overtime, it was a game where the Patriots dominated and shut out the Chiefs in the first half. Bill Belichick had two weeks to prepare. All we kept hearing was Sean McVay is the next co- great coach, and he still is a great coach in the NFL, but everyone was ready to anoint him as the heir apparent to Bill Belichick, and Bill said, wait a minute... This is still my league. I want to take people back to what I think was the beginning of the greatness of Bill Belichick, where he really got on the map. A younger audience might not understand this, but I want to take you back to the year 1990. When the Buffalo Bills in their K-Gun offense, it was the system that was taking over the league. They led the league in scoring that year and in offense, and I'm not kidding you, this is in 1990, where, may I remind you, defenses, the rules, they were allowed to jam, they were allowed to hold, there was a lot more rules helping the defense. In the first two rounds of the playoffs, the Bills scored 44 points and 51 points in their first two playoff games before going to the Super Bowl. I'm not kidding, they scored over 90 points in two playoff games. And this was back in 1990. The Giants played them in the Super Bowl, and they didn't even have their starting quarterback. It was Jeff Hostetler, and Bill Belichick was tasked 
with stopping the mighty K-Gun offense. And I'm not going to go too far into it. There's a lot of great documentaries. The 30 for 30 on the two bills goes more into depth about this. But Bill Belichick came up with a new scheme that game where you only would have two defensive linemen on the field and would play with multiple linebackers, which was a formation no one had ever really seen before. And he actually dared the Bills to run the football. Thurman Thomas, I believe, had 115 yards, I want to say on 15, 16 carries. But the K-Gun was so precedented on the pass and getting the fast offense. It was a hurry-up offense before hurry-up offense. And all those Bills said the genius of Belichick was the harder they tried to get the offense going, the more they struggled to get the offense going. They held the K-Gun in check and allowed the New York Giants to pull off one of the greatest Super Bowl upsets in the history of the game. Last night, Bill Belichick was tasked with stopping the young gun Jared Goff and the young bright Sean McVay. And even Sean McVay after the game said, I was outcoached. Let's face it, Brady did not have a great game last night. The Patriots offense did not have a great game. And even the Patriots special teams did not have a great game last night because they missed a big field goal. But the Patriots defense... The Patriots defense, where I want to ask you, the viewer, if you're not a Patriot fan, you probably couldn't name four guys on that defense. Stopped arguably the league's best offense or second best offense, depending on who you ask, between the Chiefs and the Rams, and held them to three points. If I was to tell you, hey, the Rams are going to hold the Patriots to 13 points, First of all, you would have thought it was crazy. And second of all, you said, oh, well, the Rams are going to win by two touchdowns then. Oh, no, no, no. It was the Patriots' defense. Jared Goff did not have a pass over 20 yards last night. They held them in check. And for people saying, well, Todd Gurley wasn't healthy. Well, Todd Gurley wasn't healthy the first two games of the playoffs, but C.J. Anderson ran for over 100 yards. Last night was Bill Belichick proving that he is great with or without Tom Brady, that he is arguably one of, if not the greatest defensive coach we have ever had in the National Football League. Because on multiple occasions now, he has taken arguably the best offense and the best offensive mind and arguably the hottest quarterback in the league at the time and slowed their offense down to a level which we didn't think was possible. He did it against the Bills. He held them to 19 points on an offense that was redefining offense in the NFL. Last night he did it with Jared Goff, the up-and-comer in this league, and the great Sean McVay, who everyone is holding in such high esteem that if you hadn't noticed this offseason, most of the head coaching hires were from his tree, and even people joked, hey, if you were his dog walker, you were going to get a head coaching or offensive coordinator job this offseason. Last night was a great night for Bill and Tom. And for those of you who think, oh, they were going to retire last night, mm-mm. The thing I noticed in their interviews, and I often listen to the interview, but you can't just listen, you have to watch. Body language. Both of them were happy. Both of them seem energetic. And both of them look like they're ready to keep doing this. Even Bill Belichick said he loves football. He doesn't want to retire. Tom Brady doesn't want to retire. And I think part of it is Brady is hyper-competitive. He was overlooked in the NFL draft, drafted 199. And people keep doubting him, saying he's a system quarterback. 
And I think he wants to not only break the record for most Super Bowls with a franchise, which would be seven, as the Steelers are the only one with six other Lombardi trophies, but I do believe Tom wants to set the mark so far ahead that no one's ever going to be able to catch him. He wants to make it so no one will catch it. He grew up idolizing Joe Montana. Montana had four Super Bowls, and we didn't think anyone would catch him. If Brady wins seven or eight Super Bowls, he's already the greatest quarterback of all time. But it will be even harder to catch him. Think about it. If a great quarterback came along and won four Super Bowls, we'd still be like, well, he isn't Tom Brady. I mean, Brady, my God, he's gone to nine and won six. But if he gets to two more and wins another one, well, he won seven titles. Brady has redefined the standard not only for Lombardi's and consistency, but also longevity. I want you to think about this. The first Super Bowl Tom Brady played in was in 2001. The quarterback he faced in that game was Kurt Warner, who was in the prime of his career and an MVP candidate. Since that time, I want to remind you, Kurt Warner has gone from the Rams, Ben Hurt, gone to the Giants, groomed Eli Manning, went to the Arizona Cardinals, brought them to a Super Bowl, had arguably one of the best playoff games we've ever seen, retired, got elected to the Hall of Fame, and now is a premier broadcaster in the NFL. And Tom is still playing quarterback at arguably the highest level in the NFL. The game has changed to favor Tom Brady. What is the league now? It's short. It's con- precise passes it's bubble screens Tom Brady specialty Brady now has a great offensive line in front of him and oh by the way the Patriots have reloaded they're a young team with good cap space and more importantly they got 12 draft picks Brady is re-energized I believe he's trying to set the bar so high that no one can ever come close to him Because he sees what's happening in the NBA. Kevin Durant has multiple titles. LeBron has multiple titles. And they're they're compared to Jordan. And there's a lot of debate about who's the greatest of all time. But I think Brady wants to by far and away cement that he's the greatest of all time. By breaking every record he can. Playing as long as he can. And winning a ridiculous amount of Lombardi trophies. So no one can catch his legacy. Both of these two men. Had drama in the offseason. Reportedly, they seem pretty happy last night. They seem like they're ready to keep this going because now the Patriots have motivation. It's the Patriots against the world. The Patriots want the world wants the Patriots to lose. Patriots use that for motivation. And they're going to keep doing that because they have great draft capital. And of course, Brady still looks healthy. I'm going to get into why I think this dynasty is going to continue for the long term I know people don't want to hear that and it's very simple it's not just the draft capital it's the position of where the Patriots are in the football world I'll get into this with the Rams in a little bit but if I was to tell you looking at the AFC picture next year I would say you'd have to give the Patriots to be the favorite once again even though people are going to say well they've made it to three Super Bowls that should be the obvious favorite well I saw a lot of power rankings this morning And the Patriots weren't number one for next year. Uh, Last I checked, Brady and Belichick are still going to be there unless they know something I don't know. I want to look at the AFC right now, and I want to just picture this. 
Think about all the teams that played exceptionally well this year. They didn't have the distractions the Patriots had. The Patriots had the offseason drama with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, which appears to be over now. They missed Edelman for four games with suspension. Their left tackle they drafted in the first round was injured in training camp and wasn't able to play. Gronkowski, by week eight, looked like he was a shell of his former self, and the team still won 11 games. I want to remind you how well things went for the Colts, the Chiefs, the Chargers this year. No major injuries. That could change next year. The Patriots will not only have those 12 draft picks I talked about, but they still play in a division that is very winnable. Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are still babies. They're still learning to play the quarterback position. The Jets will have a new head coach, and though I think the Jets could be an 8-8, 9-7 team, that's obviously not enough to overtake the Patriots in this division. The Bills are rebuilding. Even the Dolphins are rebuilding in this division. When I look at the AFC South, the Houston Texans were in first place this year. They're going to have to play a first place schedule. Deshaun Watson was beaten up this year. I don't know if he can stay healthy 16 games. It's not because of him. It's because of their terrible offensive line. I want to remind you, at one point this season, he had to take a bus to away games because his ribs were so badly bruised he couldn't get on an airplane because of the cabin pressure. The Colts, I think, are the biggest threat to the Patriots because they will have an abundance of draft picks and cap space, but they're still a young and inexperienced roster outside of Andrew Luck. And they also play in that division with the Houston Texans. And another reason why I think the Texans' peak is past, and I talked about this on a couple episodes ago when they lost, they never step up in the big games. But more importantly, this year, Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt were both healthy this year. Over the previous few years, they never were healthy. They got a big break with health this year. And if history repeats itself like it often does, that probably won't be the case next year. In the AFC North, the Steelers are complete grease fire and look like a great source of entertainment for this offseason where will Le'Veon Bell go Antonio Brown stay and as Juju Smith-Schuster put it it's basically the Kardashians of the NFL right now great television great storylines but it looks like a mess on the field the Ravens have their good young quarterback who couldn't have a passing yard in three quarters against the Chargers I do like Jackson. think he can be a very good quarterback. But now teams have tape on that offense. It'll be interesting to see how the Ravens adapt. And that defense, it's getting older. The Browns could be a wild card next year. But they're still a very young team. And will have a new first-time head coach. And the Bengals are the Bengals. I'm not even going to go into that. In the AFC West, I talked about this when the Chiefs were eliminated. Everything went right for them last year. No major injuries. And everything worked well for Patrick Mahomes, but now teams have tape on them. They're going to have a first-place schedule, like I said. And they're also in a division, may I remind you, that had the Chargers, who were a tiebreaker away from having home field advantage, still have a great roster, but like the Chiefs, they will have to play each other. Denver still has a great defense and is a well-run organization. And the Raiders, despite rebuilding, have enough talent to surprise some people, especially if they keep Carr. The Patriots right now in the AFC full of questions are the one consistent. And it's a lot harder in the NFC because there's a lot more solid teams than in the AFC. I'm looking at the Patriots right now and I'm saying this team, they're going to have a young roster. And if Gronk retires, 
they will not be hurting. Why? This is a great tight end draft class, probably the best we've had in years, and the Patriots have multiple picks to go and get a tight end. And if Gronk does retire, it will open up cap space. One storyline that I got from this game before I get into the Rams, and this has been a hot-button debate today, Julian Edelman, and we heard it last night on the broadcast, I believe it was Nate Burleson who said it, was Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer, and I would agree. Now, people are going to go to look up his stats and look up his regular season stats and say, well, he's just an average receiver in the regular season. We talk about postseason success, and right now, did you know Julian Edelman is second on all-time reception in yards in the postseason? He's had a couple of the biggest catches in Super Bowl history, including that incredible catch where he caught between, I think, four Falcon player legs and that amazing comeback. Edelman is only 32. He missed four games this year, and if Gronk does retire, he will still be Brady's number one option. I do think he will play as long as Brady plays. And if you get another three years of Edelman and another Super Bowl ring and three good consistent seasons, it'll be hard to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. Now, he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But we talk about being successful in the postseason. And it's all about the result. And Edelman, arguably, outside of Brady and Belichick, has been one of the biggest factors in the dynasty's reemergence over the last couple of years. Gronk has been arguably the best target and the physical target for Tom Brady. But Edelman's been more consistent. And Edelman, if you look, when Brady needs a first down, Edelman is who he's looking for. And I do think Edelman will be a Hall of Famer, not a, not a first-round Hall of Famer. But I do believe he will be a Hall of Famer because of the postseason success. And now I know a lot of people are screaming, well, he's not good in the regular season. He has been good in the regular season, and I do think he can pad those stats over the next couple of seasons. But I will say this. If he, and there's a chance he could do this, because I do think the Patriots will once again be back in the postseason for the next year and arguably years after that. I do think he has a chance to pass Jerry Rice for postseason receptions and yards. And if that happens... We all hold Jerry Rice not only as the greatest receiver, but arguably the greatest football player that ever lived. And Julian Edelman might pass his postseason success. Just throwing it out there. I'm not saying it's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I would put Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame, especially if he keeps having this great postseason success. Going to shift gears to the L.A. Rams, and boy, last night was a rude awakening for the L.A. Rams. Now, Jared Goff, I still think, is a great quarterback, but he's still a baby in this league. And I said this a couple of weeks ago because I talked about the Kansas City Chiefs and how one of the common things people were saying was, well, they'll be back. They'll make a Super Bowl, and how I compared Patrick Mahomes to Dan Marino. Great quarterback, absolutely incredible gifts and talent, but I wasn't sure if that would translate into a Super Bowl. I will say that the Rams did have a great defensive game plan. I mean, let's face it, Tom Brady, if you think about it, he beat this Rams defense with a converted quarterback out of college, Julian Edelman. The Rams defense had a fantastic game. They limited the bubble screens with the Patriots left to run. They limited 
Chris Hogan. They did a great job. But the offense, the team that's supposed to be reinventing offense with the brightest young mind in football struggled yesterday. And part of it was to be expected. Jared Goff is a young quarterback. And more importantly, Bill Belichick had two weeks to prepare. I always say the Super Bowl benefits the head coaches because it gives them an extra week to game plan. And we saw it on display. Sean McVay even said afterwards he was outcoached. Now, to be fair, the Rams did have some problems. Number one, Gurley was not healthy again. And it's clear this team is a completely different team without him. Sure, they were able to get by without him for two games in the postseason, but they also got a lot of help. They got an inaccurate Dak on the road in Los Angeles. C.J. Anderson was great for them. And, of course, they got the big no-call in New Orleans. And the defense was able to give them an interception in Saints territory to kick the game-winning field goal. The Rams didn't fly into the Super Bowl. They got into it. They weren't coming off great performances. They weren't coming off a great emotional drive like the Patriots winning on the road. You watched that game last night. And you kept saying, why aren't the Rams running the football? Because passing sure isn't working. And I think that was the most frustrating thing if you were a Rams fan watching that game. Was because McVay, who's supposed to be an innovative coach, the game plan seemed awfully simple. I was watching that game and I kept saying to myself, why aren't they running the jet sweeps that, are, that have worked so well throughout the postseason? We didn't see a lot of that yesterday. Why aren't they running the ball more? with Anderson in between the tackles. Because dropping back to pass with play action, it's not working. In the Rams, once again, we see where experience came through. Brady has been through this. Brady did not have a good game, but he had the wherewithal to make the big throws, get the big conversions, and move the football. Do I still think the Rams have a great future in front of them? Absolutely. I still think Jared Goff's a great quarterback, and Sean McVay's a great young coach. But we saw the value of experience for both head coach and quarterback yesterday in the Super Bowl. And I will say this about the Rams. I prefaced this a little bit ago saying they remind me of the Chiefs. And people were saying I was very critical saying Patrick Mahomes could be the next day at Marino. I could say that as well about the Rams. People are saying, well, come on, the Rams, you look at that offense. They are talented. They're going to get Cooper Cup back. They look great. They're going to be the team. And I saw a bunch of power rankings putting the Rams for number one next season. But here's the thing. The Rams got a lot of benefits this year. Todd Gurley was healthy throughout the entire regular season. We saw this playoffs him get nicked. Can he be healthy now for 16 games next season? We've seen the offense without him. The offensive line has been great for two years. But we saw that it's starting to get a little long in the tooth, and we saw it against the New England pass rush last night. Goff took a beating. The Rams' offensive line now going to next year, bit of a question mark. We saw that great defense step up in big spots, but it's a lot of veterans. And we've seen the NFL with veteran players, the drop-off can come out of nowhere. We saw Darrell Revis go from arguably one of the better quarterbacks to being just a guy in a year is a great example. Another factor we're not considering is they're going to play a first-place schedule again next year. And their division is going to be a lot better. 
The Seahawks were a wildcard team and are scheduled ahead of their rebuild. They've reloaded. They have a great running game, explosive wide receivers, a great quarterback in Russell Wilson, head coach, and a good, young, ferocious defense. That team is going to be a scary matchup next year for the Rams. Also in this division, we have the 49ers, who have drafted well, have built a very good roster. And, oh, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. You know, Garoppolo was 5-0 and in his when he came over from the Patriots, and he tore his ACL early last year, and they had to patch together an offense with Nick Mullins. Garoppolo, I think, is a little bit better. And while there's still questions about can Garoppolo play 16 games, you would have to think the 49ers are going to be a better team. The NFC has a lot less questions than the AFC. I ran through them all before in the AFC, but think about the NFC. For the Eagles, they're going to have Carson Wentz hopefully healthy the entire year. And I do think they will bounce back because they were a wildcard team. They're going to get a benefit of the scheduling next year. But I do think that they will be motivated and they play well in that underdog role. The Cowboys have won two of the last three NFC East division titles. They're going to have another year older. They have a good young defense. I think they're going to keep that together. And they're going to have more rapport between Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. They're not going anywhere. I want to remind people, too, that the Washington Redskins, which have a lot of question marks going into next season, they were a 6-2 team before Alex Smith got hurt. And while I don't think he will be back next year, that's just a good point about that they have a good roster. In the South, I'm not considering the Panthers because we don't know Cam Noonstad status, but the Falcons had a terrible year. You don't think they're going to be ready to bounce back? The Saints, once again, another heartbreaking loss in the postseason. Don't think they're going to have extra motivation, especially against the NFL, who they feel screwed them out of the Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, Bruce Arians is now the head coach at Tampa Bay. We've seen what he's been able to do with quarterbacks his entire career in the NFL. Then we go to the NFC North. Matt Nagy, the Chicago Bears, great defense. Looks like they figured out the quarterback. They look like a formidable team moving forward next year. The Vikings roster is still loaded with talent. Lots of great players everywhere you look. The NFC has a lot of great teams. It's going to be harder to get through that postseason. The Rams barely made it through this year twice. And may I remind you, Jared Goff, his rookie deal is about to expire. They're going to have to pay him a ton of money, which will limit the free agents they can bring in. The Rams' window, I'm not saying is closed, but it's going to be a lot harder to get back to the Super Bowl than it will be for the Patriots next year, who have their core players intact, their quarterback and coach intact, and a plethora of draft picks. The dynasty is not over in New England. If anything, it's just beginning. Because you have a head coach and a quarterback who have been reinvigorated and now feel like they're the underdog role despite being the reigning dynasty in the NFL. And it's them against the world. And that's the way they like it. They will have a plethora of draft picks. They'll be able to reload that team. And they're in the division, while tough, is more winnable than other divisions. They also are in an AFC with a lot of question marks compared to the NFC. We have a lot of motivated teams and a lot of teams that are either set at quarterback or have Super Bowl caliber rosters. If I was to say next year, pick a team to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC, you might have five or six choices. From the AFC 
maybe two, three. It's definitely a short list. Last night's Super Bowl was once again reformation about the genius of Bill Belichick, especially as a defensive mind in the league. And it's another added thing to Tom Brady's amazing legacy, and I believe he's going to keep playing until he feels he has set the bar so high that no quarterback that ever comes into the league will ever be in the discussion of being the GOAT, unlike Tom Brady. They got a reloaded roster with a young draft. It's going to be an exciting offseason. And for the Rams, not saying the window's closed, but it'll be harder to get to the top of the mountain. They have a lot of factors working against them next season in their own division and also in the NFC. And once again, everyone wants to talk about the new hot toy in the NFL, Sean McVay, the young head coach, the young genius who got all these assistants hired. But experience wins in the NFL, and Bill Belichick's been doing this for decades. And we saw that experience come through last night. And I'll say it again. The Patriot dynasty, everyone in the media keeps saying, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? But with the draft picks that they have, and the way Brady looked in this postseason, and with Bill Belichick looking like he's as energetic as ever, it might not be if the dynasty's ending. It might be, is this the start of a brand new dynasty in New England? That's going to do it for this episode of Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. You can always email us richsportstalk at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter at the handle at richsportstalk. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have a lot of fun segments, of course, coming up. We've had a lot of new ones on the podcast. I'm sure to check them out. And, of course, the NFL offseason free agency and the draft. You know I love my mock drafts. They are coming out now. The draft order is set. Cannot wait to get to the mock draft. So make sure you listen to all that. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Another great NFL season in the books. I can't wait for the 2019 season. It will be here before you know it. But that's going to do it. I'm Nolan Rich, and this is Rich Sports Talk.